Remember the simpler times in the 90s? The bygone days of Beanie Babies, affordable homes, and endless stream of John Grisham books being turned into blockbusters? Hey, remember Blockbuster? Whether you're looking for a hit of nostalgia, a laugh, or just learning about some of the behind-the-scenes insanity of working in a porn shop the day before Christmas, you have to check out the Talkbuster podcast. An awesome podcast where every episode, Chris Chipman sits down with a guest to talk about the good and the bad of those bygone days. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lurk Commander Orc, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Well, my leg just fell asleep because it hates me, so that's nice. <clears throat> uh, says that, it's fine, another fucking day. How's yours? Ah, uh, I don't know. Oddly successful, I guess. I got stuff done today and I feel accomplished. Nice. I know that to date this recording, Ulrich, uh, there was some trailer for a new A24 movie called Civil War that came. Was that today or yesterday? That was today. That's today? Yeah. And it is, to my eyes, the most boring looking movie I've seen A24 make. (laughs) But I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah, I don't don't want to go off on that tangent because fortunately I have not been alone in my what the fuck is this reaction to that trailer. Yeah, it well, it's like A24 as a studio is in my eyes good at doing something weird and fun. Most of the time good, but even They're when not bad. Not make a movie another studio would otherwise make. Exactly. So, but this one looks like not that at all, and I'm hoping that there's something that the trailer's just not showing that <sighs> Anyway. I don't know cuz they recently had to sell a bunch of stock so now they've got to make more mainstream movies so they can be more profitable for their shareholders and fuck all that noise. So but. weird because they've gotten their their bones, their awards, and their money off of really out there weird shit. <laughs> yes, anyway. well, capitalism demands shareholders. And shareholders are universally idiots. Yeah, people in general. I don't know. It's a weird... You know, I, I'll say this, and then we'll move off it. When I first saw the trailer and the announcement, like, well, I like that director that has interesting potential, but I also feel like this has the potential to be the the exact movie this trailer kind of made me think. And by the way, to anyone listening, I'm sorry if I'm coming off as curmudgeonly. I'm having not a great time. Hopefully, uh, I'll, I'll start I'll start coming up in tone as as we talk, but. Well, if Working we can be it. curmudgeonly about anything, we can be curmudgeonly about a movie that, again, from the trailer, and in my opinion, is like, hey, it's 2024, let's make a movie about a civil war in America, which kind of shrugs and says, yeah, both sides are equally bad, and it's only the artists that have cameras that truly understand that. Which, that movie was inevitable. That's literally the first thing I said to Eric. I'm like, this movie was going to be made eventually, I'm just disappointed it looks as exactly what i thought as it does and i mean i thought like yeah read the room but uh, we we live in a world we've lived in a country where there's not a good time to make a civil war movie because the worst dumbest people keep talking about it yeah so oh it was by the happen. way as a as a side note and uh, and trust me i'll talk more about this in a recording we do later this year but <laughs> There's a concept that I have been thinking about for a while, which is what is the movie that is the best movie in its franchise and the farthest into its franchise? Ooh, that's a fun little uh, diagram. Yeah, and the first one that I thought of was probably uh, one of the Friday the 13th movies because generally speaking, the best Friday the 13th movie is number six, Jason Lives. That's a it's kind of widely accepted. So I thought that was the case. I don't know if I'm cheating, but I think we have a new by far winner, which is Godzilla minus one, which is like 31st in its franchise and probably the best Godzilla movie ever made. See, that's going to be a fun one to discuss for multiple reasons when I get a chance to see it. Yeah, I won't say anything more than that, but it's just that that thought crossed my head where I was like, well, this far in the Godzilla franchise and we get now the best movie of it, that's. That's crazy. 
anyway, I'll talk more about it later. Anyways, to cap off this whole stupid discussion on a stupid movie, and before anyone goes, oh, well, Ulrich, if it's inevitable, what kind of movie would you make? I will just say, go listen to my pitch for Red Dawn on Film Rescue. That's my pitch. There, leave me alone. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the last thing I'll say about it is that I, I was watching it, and I was like, I feel like uh, what was the the Forever Purge already did this. <laughs> yeah, no, the Forever Purge did already do this, and it was more interesting. And oh, did you not think about the connection of the Purge movies? Because it totally feels like a lesser version of that. <laughs> what does that say about this filmmaker and A twenty four that the Purge already beat you to it and did it better? Well, to be fair, The Purge was a franchise that literally got like better every movie that started off bad. And then by the time the first Purge came around, it was like legitimately awesome. Yeah, that's a good question. So going back to your original thing, which was like, ooh, is it the Forever Purge or the first Purge that kind I, of... I do think the first Purge is better, but we, we did discuss that in our, our yeah now i'm really looking forward to this because i like that idea because there's some fun ones i'm like well what do you want out of this franchise yeah but that's a question i had a while i i literally first thought of it with fury road i was like the fourth movie in this franchise is the best and that got me thinking about how most of the time the longer a franchise goes the less good the movies are so what's the inverse oh anyways when we were playing around in the weeds furiosa trailer came out it looks fun i didn't see it but i have high hopes because it's it's a bad Max thing. Yeah, it, it's, it's George Miller coming back out of the desert like, hey, guys, I made another Mad Max movie. And I'm like, oh, thank you. This is what I need. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear it sound. It looks good. Yeah. All right. Anyways, on to the thing that matters. Talking about our patrons, the people that love us getting lost in the weeds so much. They're like, these guys deserve money so they can get lost in the weeds more. <laughs> Thank they you, Illustrious Legion. Are the Illustrious Legion. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin A. Bay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit, Kenny, Seth, Decker, Dona Lucy, Carson Amell, Scott Rubin, Dertai, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the Illustrious Legion and get lost in the weeds with us, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. It comes out to 25 cents an episode or a dollar a month at the very lowest tier or if you're looking to give us a little bit more money and get access to some extra bonus content like our book club and movie reviews and TV shows and random other whatnots, go ahead and join us at the $5 tier. And a lot of them are part of our Discord community, which is awesome and one of the better parts of being alive for me right now. Yeah, so Discord. You know. which we, let's, let's pump Discord real quick. That's free. That's awesome. If you've wondered where we went since Twitter sucked up its own ass, that's where we went. We are there. Let's also bring it up because like, not not to not to shill because I'm but I just think having more people in our Discord would be cool because I already like all the people we have in there. So you know if you're yeah, listening our to this, Discord's and got, awesome. I love our Discord. Yeah, yeah. Get more people in if you want. If you want to talk to people, just saying. Just just don't talk to Scott. Just just. just. <laughs> no, definitely talk to Scott. He's hilarious. Just be aware of what you're getting involved with. <laughs> yeah, we need a sign for him. We'll just hang out <laughs> the neck. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're if you're listening to this in order, I think. Then last week we left off with part two of our The Good, The Bad, and The Franchise for Star Wars as our, hey, the Star Wars band's been lifted, so now we're going to talk about like all the Star Wars for three weeks in a row. Well, we had to come up with a way to celebrate our sixth anniversary, and we're like, you know what we haven't talked about since the very first episode of the show? Star Wars. Yeah, and it's funny because when he first said that, I was like, I know we talked about Star Wars, not on our podcast. We guessed it on other people's podcasts. We went to Star other Wars, places but... to talk about Star Wars because that was how committed we were to the Star Wars ban. Yeah, so we've already covered the original trilogy, and we've already covered the prequels as well as some like cartoons and stuff that came out around that time. So now we're going to be talking about post prequel stuff and primarily the, the the sequel trilogy and related stuff. I've got a couple things that are in between that I want to mention at least because they're awesome. But for the most part, this is a sequel trilogy and related conversation. And then we're going to bring it all around and talk about the franchise part of the good, the bad, the franchise. Yeah. So we start off with the the first thing of the sequel trilogy, which is the force awakens, which, and we're also not doing, we're like, not going to go into detail. recap stuff because no. this is star Wars. If you're listening to this, you you've seen it, you know what, or you don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Force Awakens. I still love it. 
I think that it's it's not very complicated and it's not as deep as some of the better entries in the franchise, but it's fun. It's like big capital F fun, and I, I, I enjoy that. I have cooled on The Force Awakens exponentially since I saw it. Like, I went and saw this in theaters, like, opening weekend, and it was awesome to be there and to see Star Wars on this big screen with the music and all that. It was great, and I was excited. I think it was, like, one of my favorite movies of the year it came out, and that's Mm. partially due to the fact that it came out in December, and I make my list in December. So there was a recency bias. I keep my list updated all year for that reason. Anyway. Again, this is back when I did my list at the end of the year. Now I update it throughout the year. Yeah. Anyways, I uh, if I were ranking all nine, which I might do here at the end of this recording, it would it would sit at number four. It's behind three other movies, so I guess that puts it like in the middle of my list. Really, oh, this but, is this is this is the back half of all of it because it's not bad. I want to get that right out the gate. It's not bad, but it feels in a way that's it's for the it feels like it's missing a spark. I feel like it's a different spark because Force Awakens is in some ways a remake of A New Hope. Yes. But it its focus is shifted. And that's why, like, for me, it's below New Hope. But it's not like because New Hope feels deeper. I, I feel like Force Awakens is a movie. About, I mean, the whole sequel trilogy is a movie about what it means to be a Star Wars fan. And Force Awakens basically starts that by being kind of a movie about nostalgia for mostly the original A New Hope, but the original trilogy in general. And I feel like if you can get on that wavelength with it, then it's an extremely effective ride. And that's all I really expected from it. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. It's fun. I enjoyed the fuck out of it when I saw it, and it's technically a good movie. But over time, the little things that bugged me coming out of the theater have only kind of continued to bug me. Like, here's, here's one criticism I will levy at it. I personally don't think it's that ambitious. Yes. Comparatively. Comparatively. Like, it has ambitions, but, like, for the pre-sequels, or sorry, for the, the prequels problems, it the that trilogy was at least extremely ambitious. It just failed at a lot of its ambitions. Yep. Whereas the sequel trilogy in general doesn't feel particularly, except for the middle one, uh, Last Jedi is extremely ambitious, but that's, I think, Ryan Johnson's thing. Anyway, but for one and three are not ambitious really at all. And, and I'm fine with that for, for Force Awakens, but I can see that making it feel a lot more, mm, what's the word? Not meaningless, uh, like lacking in substance, not substantive. Yeah. Cause like my big problem, like I came out of was like, Cool. New Star Wars. New era. What are we doing? Oh, the Empire is back, but they're called the First Order. Okay. And they've got all the same looking tech. Like, oh, we're we're not going to try and innovate or do anything new or come up with cool new images? Nope. TIE Fighters and Stormtroopers. Okay, okay. That's iconic. That works for you. Oh, uh, what does the Republic look like? Oh, well, there's the Republic and there's the Rebellion. What the fuck's the Rebellion about? Ah, don't ask about it. But they've got X-Wings and... They even dress the same as they did during the Rebellion era. I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense because they were kind of a scrappy thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, there's an Emperor dude. Okay. And there's a Darth Vader. Like, did you did you try anything really new or substantial? Well, this time Luke's a girl. Okay, that yeah. that's that's progress. I, I can get behind that. But I would say that a lot of that, and there's nothing wrong with you like a, a viewer having a problem with everything Ulrich just said. But I think there's also nothing wrong with a viewer not having a problem with anything or just said, because all that is by design. Yes. It's a movie, again, about the fandom of the original trilogy. So it's purposely trying to lean into nostalgia and those kind of feelings. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But I it can. Say, no, there, there is. Because you have this movie made like over a billion dollars. It's one of the highest grossing films of all time. You had the opportunity to fucking do something new, something fun and creative. And this is where the criticism of Disney kind of comes in is like George would have done something bug nuts. It may not have been good, but George would have done something different. And they picked the the most basic boiled down safe to consume. Yeah, but Ulrich, what you just said comes from a place where you have decided that 
there's a prioritization for new. That's not a given. Yeah, that's, I guess. I mean, that's why I mean when I say there's nothing inherently wrong with that. You're allowed to say that it does not conform to your tastes. That's perfectly reasonable. But there's nothing – that's basically saying like I am not a fan of what this movie went for despite the movie succeeding at what it went for. And that's perfectly yeah. fine. That's I reasonable. also know like a lot of people afterwards were turned off by this because they went – so it's just – it's just – it's it's the first Star Wars all over again. They they had all this money and all this build up, and they just said, "Let's tell Star Wars again." And my defense was, "Well, the fans are so pissed still at the prequels; they're afraid of doing new ideas. They're going to do something new next time." And to be fair, they did. Yeah, and it's funny because there are cases where like that does bother me. What you're describing, I am legendarily have been saying that about James Cameron's Avatar since that movie came out, and. I'm not claiming that there's any rhyme or reason to why it works here. It doesn't work there probably because I already had pre-established feelings about star Wars stuff, but yeah, I'm not going to sit here and really defend force awakens as like a good or great movie, but I will defend it as like, I enjoyed it. It's fun. I feel like it only aspires to be fun. It aspires to feel like to me to feel like what it feels like to play with star Wars toys, but in movie form. And that's fine. And then the last thing left, and then we did a fucking Death Star again, which the third time is just stupid and lazy, and I hate I it. I was fine with Starkiller Base, but I do feel like that was, all right, we can't go higher than this. You've got a thing that can destroy multiple planets from across star systems. Just stop. Stop doing the Dragon Ball Z thing of raising the, the fucking power gap every time. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> now, again, a lot of things that kind of built this movie up for me in my time, like, Oh, but they had, they had all these interesting mysteries, and I wonder how those are going to play off. Uh, I fell into the well, stupid J.J. Abrams trap. The mystery box. I, I'm i not going to sit here and say that J.J. Abrams is a bad filmmaker because I'm not a filmmaker. I'm, I don't feel like I'm qualified. I will say that I personally find him tedious. Yeah. I think sometimes he's enjoyable, but a lot of times he's mediocre. At least in my ex- my experience with his The more time work. goes on, the more it seems that he is the weak link in so many projects of his that people blame someone else for. I do love Fringe, but I feel like Fringe leaned into his strengths extremely well. I'm just but- saying a lot of people, like, <coughs> hmm, post-Watch, like, Watchmen, the TV series, it more and more feels like Lost was not the fault of David Lindelof. Yeah, exactly. But... I mean, I, I thought Snoke was very cool. I liked getting Andy Serkis to do shit like that. I, I thought Kylo Ren was a lovably petulant villain. Oh, which Kylo I, I, Ren I was him. a mess, but... Ugh. That's kind of what I liked about him. I like that he is this man-child. That, but again, I like the, the, the meta-narrative going on in the, the first two of the sequel trilogy about being about Star Wars fandom. That shit's super fascinating to me. And you can see it starting there in Force Awakens. I but. don't. I I don't know because, like, according to a recent interview from uh, Adam Driver, the plan was for Kylo Ren originally, according to his discussions he had with J.J. Abrams, was to be the anti-Vader. He was just going to become more and more irredeemable, more and more evil, more and more intimidating. Which honestly, I don't can feel cast that it was Adam Driver. If that's your goal. I don't know. I but like I feel Adam like... Driver. He is a good actor. Menacing, he will never be. I felt like they were sticking well with that direction, but with a twist up until Rise of Skywalker. But anyway. Yes. So after Force Awakens, uh, which is a fine movie. We can, we can agree on that. It's fine. Uh, we got Rogue One, which I know that we have almost opposite opinions than like what we just talked about. Right, because I think Ulrich likes Rogue One, right? I like the beginning and I like the end of Rogue One. I really hate the middle bit. I like two things in Rogue One. I like the Vader as slasher scene, yep, because it's just great visual candy. And I like every single thing Donnie Yen does. Every moment Donnie Yen is on screen, it's good stuff. And Matt Mickelson acquits himself all right too. Yeah, Matt is kind of there like, hey, you all like Hannibal? You like him? He's in this movie. Yeah, but Donnie Yen feels like, to me, and no offense to any of the other actors, I don't think any actor does a particularly bad job. I think it's mostly, a for me, a, a screenwriting issue. But Donnie Yen feels like he just has all the charisma <laughs> of, of every scene he's in. Yeah. But I love Donnie Yen. I've loved Donnie Yen for a long time. No. So I don't... Oh, 
Rogue One is really when we kind of started worrying about Disney and Star Wars. I love the idea of Rogue One. Yeah. On paper, it makes perfect sense. That's what I mean. It's like, wow, this seems like it's a really interesting idea. And you kind of see the skeleton poking through parts. I'm like, ooh, the rebellion's a bit seedier than we thought. Like, yeah, that makes sense. That's, you know, they're not generally these kind of operations aren't as noble Mm -hmm. as we want to believe. Um, we got to see Rebels some actual war in Star Wars. Yeah, and I'm well. Okay, that's that's a weird sentence, but I'll just let okay. it go. Uh, re- plus, rebels historically are guerrilla fighters. Yes, generally speaking. So you know, seeing some of that, I should rephrase. It felt more like a. It felt like the first true war movie in a Star Wars movie, as opposed to like a battle movie. Yeah, this one's like no, no. This kind of feels like oh, okay, we're doing a guerrilla operation. We're going to show you how it's done the end really pays that off with the big epic space battle and the fight on the beach. I'm like, Oh no, this really, but we knew there was a whole bunch of behind the scenes issues and it just, it really jams up against each other at points like this. This doesn't feel like what it should be like what it originally wanted to be. Like it really felt like we were going to get to know this crew a whole lot more and really be attached to them. I do like the robot. Yes. We get a couple. The robot's cool. I don't yeah, remember its K2SO name. Yeah, K2SO is great. K2SO is what it's called. Then again, yeah. it, it felt like it felt like someone on the crew had played Knights of the Old Republic and was taking some uh, HK48 and just just a little bit, which is great. Yeah, but you also kind of see it's like, well, what's Donnie Yen's character? What is his story? Yeah, I don't know. What's his buddy's story? Yeah, I don't know. What's, <laughs> what's accurate? Andor's story. Yeah, he 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 was a he was a separatist and something. Yeah, and I don't know. We were, what do you want from us? And this is like I uh, I apologize for getting my read on. I I think I had seen like some comment like section in our Discord that made me think you were more pro Rogue One than it sounds like you are. I apologize. I like the end because that end is probably some of the best Star Wars we've had in a while because we've got the big space battle cutting back to this beach battle which feels frenetic and it feels like I'm watching a, you know, you know, classic war film and it feels very oh. good and different. Also, I have no problem with the full digital recreation of, uh, of Tarkin and Leia, but stop it. Stop Leia, doing it. I, uh, Tarkin. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I was, I was fine with it in that movie. Stop it now though. <laughs> Tarkin works cause Tarkin didn't have to speak. Well, he speaks quite a bit in that movie, actually. No, when he does, well, when he's, they don't have to try and match, you know, when they don't show him speaking directly to camera. Uh, okay. Because when he's standing there and it's his back and he's talking like, oh, that that's good. We can work with that. When we're working the undead jaws, it's like, e- no. And then the I'm Carrie just, Fisher one's Uncanny Valley as fuck. I didn't feel Uncanny Valley there. I'm just, I'm just keep bringing it up because I'm, I will, I will keep mentioning it. But Sebastian Stan should be cast as Luke at yeah. this point. Stop digitally recreating Luke. Just let Sebastian Stan do it. He's already on Disney's payroll. He fucking looks like Mark Hamill and he's a good actor. Just let him do it. It's, anyway. It's believable enough. Uh, the extra Vader stuff was fun. It's like, oh yeah, no, Vader is still cool and imposing. We're going to ignore the logistics of the James Earl Jones of it all. Because it's like, yeah, we want to see more Vader stuff. It would be cool. Yes, I know there's the Vader comic that's awesome. But seeing Vader in live action able to do things... We've never been able to do with Vader before. is really fun. Although getting the one comic scene in live action would be worth so yes. much. Yes. Which please, it, uh, please if there's anyone out there who doesn't know the sequence, it went around the internet. It got very viral. But if somehow you missed it, because I have some friends who did miss it, there's a comic where I don't know the context. I just know that Vader gets basically surrounded by a bunch of rebel soldiers. And they literally, they call out like, Surrender, Vader. We have you surrounded. And he looks at them all. He pulls out his saber and goes, the only thing I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men. And it's one of the coolest comic book scenes ever. <laughs> yeah. No, there's, there's, I do not believe there's nothing interesting to do with Vader. Like, no, though, there is so much to do with Vader. It's just, we have to factor in James Earl Jones age. But overall, Rogue One, I I remember the weird tentacle thing. I remember yeah. the Vader sequence. I remember Donnie Yen doing his walk through the, the battlefield. I am one with the force. The force is with me. Like, cool. But I remember What's very your backstory? Not appearing in this movie. Okay. Yeah, and, I, I, and I remember being tired. 
through most of it. Like Donnie would show up and I'd wake up, but then like we'd have sequences of the the Andor guy and the main girl doing their will they won't they love thing, even though we know they're both gonna die, and I yeah. just start I start dozing. No. It's a sleepy movie for me. Oh yeah, no, Rogue One was one I very much went into. I was still high off, like, yeah, new Star Wars. Yeah, this looks good. And the first act, I'm like, yeah, this is this is going pretty good. I'm I'm enjoying this. That second act, I'm like, oh, what the where are well, we? Well it's funny with What's the happening? first act, you can tell they were trying to put a little inglorious bastards yes. on the whole thing. And it didn't it's like, ooh, quite we're, we're, we're doing something different. Okay. And then that second act is just like, oh no, this is really dragging. I'm getting real sleepy. And then, ooh, awesome beach assault. Okay, we're back in. I think the reason why I get so uppity about Rogue One specifically is that even when I even when I don't like Star Wars back in, you know, like Attack of the Clones, Star Wars doesn't bore me. Rogue One was like the first time Star Wars bored me, and that made me sad. Yeah, that's that's like I said, when I started to worry, I'm like, uh, I feel like Disney played this one way too safe. Yeah. And then next we got The Last Jedi, which we're not going to talk about because we did our very first episode entirely about it. Yep. I'll say I'll say this. Last Jedi was extremely ambitious. And also, that ambition started the divide in Star yeah. Wars fans. <laughs> the Last Jedi is the reason the Star Wars band went into place. Yeah. I love Last Jedi. I like it more than Force Awakens. I don't like it as much as A New Hope or... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, but I still love it. I won't talk about it with people, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Last Jedi. It doesn't work in a lot of ways for me, and I don't want to talk about it because I feel there's not a there's, it's not a fun movie to talk about anymore. Yeah, oh, that's definitely it. Even though I, I, I still like Last Jedi plenty, yeah, it's not fun to talk about. Yeah, no, it's just... And that was one I kind of came out of, again, first episode. Even with, the Star, even with the Star Wars band being lifted, I feel like the big asterisk is, except Last Jedi. You don't need to talk yeah. about that. It's just, uh, yeah. No, I've said, I, my opinions have not changed much since that very first episode where we're talking about it fresh. And mine haven't either. I still like it. All right. Anyway, Solo, I think not nearly as bad as everyone made it out to be, but also not terribly interesting either. I think it's not as good as people keep trying to tell me it is. Like, I feel like we're in the same place, but we're just looking at it from opposite sides. Then. Yeah. Because I haven't heard anyone trying to tell me that it's good. I've just oh, there's a people. there's a contingent of Star Wars fans that are like, no, no, it's it's actually really good, and it gets a bad rap. I'm like, it gets exactly the rap it deserves. I think it get in my experience, it gets I think slightly worse a rap than it deserves. But that's because again, I think it's a it's fine. Well, this was the first Star Wars movie to miss the mark, like uh, financially, wise. absolutely. Yes. Uh, I think that it is far too obsessed with. Like, it's doing what Force Awakens did in that it's all about nostalgia, but it's doing it from a much more pointed place of, like, let's literally explain every fucking reference we can, and that gets tedious. Yep, and we, Han Solo can't be too much of a bad guy because it's Han Solo, but he's got to be a little bit of a dirtbag because, you know, it's Han Solo, that's what makes Han Solo interesting. This feels this is except, where the, except the whole point of a new hopes arc is that he basically goes from being a complete selfish prick to saving the the rebellion. That's what's going on with Han Solo in the context of a new hope. So he should be an absolute scout. Anyway. Yes, but Disney wants you doesn't want but this has to be marketed the correct way. And like the parts where you can see that Lord and Miller wrote like the train heist shit. That's great. I want that movie. Where Harrelson is in this movie, and I don't remember fucking anything he did, and that's weird. He's sleepwalking through this movie. Yeah, that's that's just odd, though. Like, I love Woody Harrelson's performances in general, so this is but this weird. Movie, there's there's no ambition to do anything that's really going to rock the boat, and this could also be argued blowback from the Last Jedi. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Considering the Last Jedi conversation started fucking immediately on that movie's release, and you can you know that Disney was trying to correct quote-unquote afterwards and i also think han solo is the worst character to do one of these solo spotlights on because yeah. he has so much fan baggage attached to him well okay i i don't know if that's the case i think boba fett's actually a worse choice for a boba few Fett's reasons a cypher again yeah. we'll get to boba fett here in a second yeah but, but you i think do whatever think story solo, you wanted with him i think if you played it like a uh, a western like they were trying to but like actually went with, okay, you look at the Dollars Trilogy, 
right? You know, up to the good, the bad, and the ugly. He may be called the good, but the man with no name is not a good person. He he has moments of goodness, but he's still an a- asshole. Yeah. He's a Clint Eastwood character. And if you had Han Solo like that, like we can like him, he can be rakish and charming and still be a bad guy. And but they, but like you just said, because of their marketing and whatnot. Did, did, Disney's got brand awareness they've got to be concerned about. I'm not claiming that this is what happened. It just feels like that's what happened. I could be way off the mark. All I know is that the guy playing Solo, the guy playing Han Solo is fine. He's just uninteresting. The, the performance is uninteresting. Yeah. And oh God, how he got his name. Why? Why? Who approved that? Who thought that was a good idea? Yeah, well, just let his name be Han Solo. There's yes. No- we don't need an explanation of why we've got a family him. whose name is Skywalker. Like we're not sitting here like, Oh, those weird names. No, just let just, him just stop over explaining. We've talked about this with horror movies, right? But it's true for anything like yes. over explaining is not good. It's just never good. Star Wars keeps look falling at, into this trap of thinking look, like, because fans love these detailed tech manuals, they want everything explained. That, no, no, what they call explained and they're they're left alone. from fucking the matrix two or whichever one had that goddamn architect scene in it like no yeah. we don't like over explanation again some things we want to know about some things we don't be smart and think about this yeah so i don't know i think solo is a fine but uninteresting movie i i feel like it didn't bore me as much as rogue one but there's also fewer memorable things in it than even rogue one had literally the only thing i remember an actual scene from Rogue One, the only one is the mall, the Darth Maul thing, and that's because I saw that and I was like, "Oh, are they going to do the Syndicate? Because that would be awesome to see." And then they had not touched it. Again, other interesting movies to do stuff on. Yeah, I remember nothing else from that movie really. Again, I don't remember how he got is really dead. cool, and we see all the interesting characters get killed and replaced with boring characters. Yeah, like you mentioned the whole getting his name thing. I don't even remember that. I don't remember at all what the explanation. Oh, was. It, I don't it's care. burned into my head because he's setting up for the Imperial Starfighter Academy, and they're like, "Name Han, ah, uh, people or race? I don't have one." Solo. Okay, yeah, I don't remember that. That does not spark my memory at all. Because it's so it. dumb. You're like, no, no, that they they wouldn't actually do that. They wouldn't make his name Solo because he's like, I don't have a people. Oh, okay. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, the Rise of Skywalker. Is which bad. I fucking hate. It, it is. I don't know if it's necessarily a worse movie than Attack of the Clones. I think it is. It is. I don't know if, uh, if that holds up to scrutiny. But I will argue at least more. Attack of the Clones has still got that Lucas spark of I want to do something different and new. Well, here's here's what I'll say. I was thinking about this before we started recording. There are moments in Attack of the Clones that I like, that I remember. Like Anakin killing all the sand people. Yep. There is maybe one moment in the entirety of rise of skywalker that i remember with positive feelings which is the uh, the lightsaber transfer through the force because i i thought it was successfully set up hinted at in previous movies and then followed through cool mechanic that's it there's literally no other positive memory association i have with a sequence in the rise of skywalker and the fact that attack of the clones for all its problems has more than one thing I remember fondly, and Rice Skywalker doesn't. Yeah, it would be the absolute bottom of my list, number nine on my if I'm ranking. Rice Skywalker pissed me off. Yeah. And it pissed off a lot of people from the first line. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, and maybe this is unfair, I don't know, but I know that for me, the the real first thing that told me I was in for a, a rough time, like, yeah, the opening crawl did it, but when I saw kylo ren remake his helmet and put it back on completely invalidating the whole point of him destroying his helmet in the previous movie because of you know how childish the helmet is like it all i could feel all i could feel was disney and jj abrams being like oh we have to undo everything ryan johnson did because it caused controversy and we can't have controversy and and I shouldn't be thinking that during the movie, regardless of whether or not it's true. I shouldn't be thinking that. Yeah, and no, the helmet thing bugged me because... That's just, it's just one example of the yeah, over and over but thing. It, again, it kind of goes into my bigger issue with the whole overall problem I have with the new trilogy, which is something that uh, Jeremy John said that has always stuck with me. The problem with this trilogy is the villains aren't Gary or intimidating. 
they feel incompetent and weak and whiny. I'll so that. when now, they get personally, beat, it doesn't feel like an achievement. Now, personally, I like them being whiny in the first two movies for a specific set of reasons. Again, I really like the meta narrative going on, but it falls on its face entirely in Rise of Skywalker. Well, yeah. it's like I, I'm not saying you can't have them because, yeah, no, we sh- should have Nazis depicted as Nazis. They shouldn't all be whiny women. babies, children. Yes. But they, if a movie has to have Hello? something to hang on, you know, Ulrich. Oh, crap! Did I cut out? Am I still picking? I'm still picking up. Okay, folks, bear with us on this one. All right, I hear you now. Okay, and I'm still... My recording didn't get interrupted, so we're still... Okay, mine didn't either. Anyway, Nazis, babies, children, yes. Yes, they should always be depicted as such. But if you want effective movie villains, you need something to hang it on, something that's intimidating, that makes you your heroes feel like they're actually overcoming something I... when kylo ren breaks his helmet in a fit of rage and then goes oh no my collectible and pieces it back together yeah. Yeah. it's like oh this this no i do not like you i do not fear you i do not want anything to do with you like honestly by the third movie kylo ren should have the whole point of what was going on at the end of the last jedi kylo ren should have come in finally have moved on from being a petulant child like everyone else in the first order could have still been incompetent man babies but kylo at that point should have been like an actual vader style villain should have been the threat the first order because oh i don't i don't want to rant about this movie because there's so much in this movie that makes me angry and doesn't make sense i just i just wish that like I could even think about the movie as a movie, though. But every time I see a decision in the movie that is J.J. Abrams undoing and rewriting something Ryan Johnson did, all I can see is a pissing contest between between one writer and another writer who probably didn't care. And oh, that okay, here's something we can talk about because this came out afterwards, and this was a discussion point during the Last Jedi. Yeah which was this trilogy did not have a plan, did not have a structure, did not have an end goal in sight. Okay. And a lot of people push back against that on The Last Jedi, but then you get to Rise of Skywalker and you're like, okay, it's not just that they didn't have a plan, it's they didn't have a collective vision of what story they wanted to tell. They had literally competing plans, and that is not good. Yeah, and it was, again, it was very annoying because it's like, listen... You're setting out to make a big trilogy. You're going to have three different directors. You should have your three directors sit down and agree upon a unified vision, goal, vibe, feeling, what have you. But instead, what it feels like, and I'm not saying this is what actually happened, but what it feels like on screen is J.J. Abrams being like, I don't like what Ryan Johnson did to all my setups, so I'm going to undo what he did in his movie. That's just... I don't, and the last Jedi like, really wasn't interested in doing much with what was set up in the Force Awakens, and the whole thing just feels disjointed. Again, yeah. say what you will for the prequels. George did not have a plan all the way through any of his movies, but they are coherent because yes, because George had it's ambitious. George had a specific thing he was trying to get across through the three movies. And it's the again, same creative team bouncing around ideas and like, well, what if we did this? And again, it's all coming together. This banked on nerds like Star Wars. They'll like whatever we put out. Yeah. So I. And that is why Rise of Skywalker made me, angers me. Yeah. And it made me so angry that I basically gave up on Star Wars for till now. Still, basically, like I'll watch Star Wars if someone else wants to, but I have no interest in seeking it out anymore. Yeah. No. And that's that's sad because for most of my life, when I was in high school, I owned the prequels and original trilogy in that like golden box set. Yep. And there was a set of time when I was like 13, 14, something like that, where I would take out Sundays. I don't know how many times I did this, probably like five or six times. And I watched all six in a row. It's a 13 hour movie marathon. Like to me, star Wars has always been a cultural pillar. Like even if you didn't like, those kind of movies you were aware of and respected star wars it was part of our not just movie culture but just culture in general for a movie to make me so angry as to turn me off from being invested at all in a cornerstone of culture is infuriating yeah no 
It is the first Star Wars movie I was generally mad at, didn't want to finish. It's just it's just a hot mess. Yeah. I, I have not revisited it. Nope. I have not been given a reason to. Nope. And I don't want to. So I mean, there are people saying it's like, well, we felt this way about the prequels and a generation will come along. It's like, I don't know if there's enough meat on the bones of this trilogy for a reappraisal for, you know, this generation like, to come to, but I could be wrong. But I feel like even the prequel reappraisal doesn't go so far usually as to say the movies are good outside of Revenge of the Sith. It's just like, hey, we're looking at things that, that they did do that were not appreciated in their time, like yeah. the whole anti-prophecy uh, narrative going on, which is very cool. But that doesn't make those first two movies good. It's just... So, like, I don't think any amount of reappraisal is going to ever make Rise of Skywalker good. If someone discovers some interesting through line like i'll be glad to read about it and watch someone's video talking about it and i'll maybe i'll be like huh that's neat it's not gonna make the movie good suddenly yeah i don't know i don't think there's a dave filoni waiting in the wings to swoop in and go all right i can fix this just give me six seasons (laughs) and i can make this great yeah all right, before we go on to shows, I want to real quick touch on, before the sequel trilogy came out, there was a uh, set of games that I wanted to at least get mentioned, because my favorite Star Wars game of all time is a, is a little game called uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, which was PlayStation 1? I want to say. It was a computer game, but I think it also was released for PlayStation 1. I want to say PlayStation well. 2. Probably 2. I think 2. But it was a PC game primarily that just got poor. Oh, no, I played on Xbox. That's right. So definitely PlayStation 2 era. Yeah. yeah, I played on Xbox. And you, it was just this really cool action RPG where you played as a Jedi that you made yourself. You can fight with one saber and three styles or dual sabers or saber staff. And it was my first it foray into what was at the time the Star Wars Expanded Universe, including what is still one of my favorite Star Wars characters ever, Kyle Katarn, who's like Luke's friend. Who's a little rough, little rougher around the edges, <laughs> and I still wish Calvatar would make his way into current canon, but we did get Thrawn, so who knows? Anyway, I just want to mention Jedi Academy because it's awesome. Also, Force Unleashed was pretty cool too. I like parts of Force Unleashed. It's fun, but again, it, I like Sam Witwer. It still denied my fantasy. Like, no, I want to be a Sith and I want to lead stormtroopers. I don't want to fight stormtroopers. I want to be one of the bad guys. Damn it. It's fun to be a bad guy sometimes, which is why we're 40K fans. Yes. Oh, and I mentioned Knights of the Old Republic earlier. I've never actually played Knights of the Old Republic. I've watched it played, and it's a Bioware game, a Bioware Star Wars game. It's fucking awesome, but I can't actually say much more about it because my experience with it is limited. But Knights of the Old Republic exists, and it's great. Here's the problem with Knights of the Old Republic. It is hands down one of Slagathor's favorite games of all time. Cool. Meaning... I cannot play it without the most back without the most backseat gaming experience of backseat yeah. gaming. Why are you doing that? You're doing that wrong. You want to go here. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just not going to play it. And Hey, we maybe possibly are getting that remastered redone version. I don't know. There's a whole lot of stupid drama around that surprise. Star Wars has drama. Yeah, and there were a handful of other great games that came out like before the sequel trilogy. We've already mentioned Battlefront 2 in the previous recording, which was great, yep. the original Battlefront 2. There was a game on the Nintendo 64, I remember, where you played as a really shitty protagonist that was basically Han Solo, but worse. But it did have really cool like game mechanics, kind of like a Turok game. And there have been like pod racing games and more oh, ship related There's so many games. Star Wars games. So... The everything else we're not going to talk about because there are so many books. Games, yeah, I mostly movies. just wanted to put Jedi Academy on recording because it's amazing. It's yeah. still worth your time. Uh, now we're going to rapid fire through the TV shows because Axel hasn't seen the majority of these. But I have seen two seasons of The Mandalorian, which is the first one on here. And I thought it was okay. Yeah. I like Pedro Pascal. I think that the Western esque thing going on is very cool you can tell that they're doing kind of an interesting thing because um westerns right were a lot of the spaghetti westerns which were called that for stupid reasons but it's because they're italian were themselves inspired by or remakes of samurai movies and then star wars was basically taking both those things as inspiration and so now the mandalorian is 
taking inspiration. I don't know if it's directly, but it feels like pretty directly from an old samurai movie about like a, a samurai veteran. It's Lone Wolf and a... Cub. It's 100%. Thank you. That. I couldn't remember. What... Yeah, yeah. So like it's its inspirations are all very solid. I just thought it was fine. It was mostly I, I had to work to watch it. I I like I, li- I really enjoy all three seasons of The Mandalorian because it kind of made me realize my bar for Star Wars is I love the world. If the world looks good and you're telling an interesting story in this world, I'm I'm, I'm generally happy. And I think about that every time I think about the sequel trilogy, I'm like you couldn't clear that bar for me. Yeah, I don't even know what my bar for Star. I can't explain why I I I found Mandalorian to be okay at best. I like Giancarlo Esposito. Everything he does is amazing. Yeah, uh, I just again I have some issues with it. I but I enjoy it all the way through because it's just fun. We're exploring and we're, once we're we keep going back to Tatooine too damn much in Star Wars. But we see other planets and other creatures and bigger lore. We get to explore Mandalorians. It's just it's fun. Uh, if you want to know our detailed thoughts on seasons one and two of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, go check out. I believe it's two wo- whatever is way up. That was the podcast we were on where we talked about. I, I will say I think and Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I will say I think Mandalorian, despite my tepid reaction to it, is far better than Book of Boba Fett, which is okay. really unfair because like the Book actor Boba for Fett Boba Fett is fucking is, Han is Solo all over again. Yeah, and the actor for Boba Fett is trying. Tamora Morrison. Yeah, Tamora. He's, he's trying so hard. It's not his fault. It's really the writing. Yes. I mentioned this before, but it's like, why of all the characters? Like we already was bad enough when you when you tried to sand off all the rough edges of Han Solo, and so as Ulrich said, this is like so. But to do it with Boba Fett is way worse because Boba Fett was straight up a villain. And yeah. why can't you just let him be a villain? Like the idea of Book of Boba Fett from the beginning, he comes in and takes over the underworld of a town. Like having a Sopranos style story, but with fucking Boba Fett is a brilliant fucking concept but no instead we gotta turn him into like the hero he's saving the, the sheriff town. and he's here to drive yeah, out the sheriff. varmints and it's just like no that's not boba fett that's yeah not let him be tony telling. soprano don't make him the fucking sheriff that's the the most inherent fundamental issue with that show but again we've got to worry about brand marketing and our kids Uh-oh. our parents gonna be laying okay with their kids playing a bad guy I mean, and because of that, we get two episodes where we're like, hey, you remember The Mandalorian? We know you guys like The Mandalorian. We didn't think that Boba Fett could handle the show himself, so we got to put two episodes of The Fucking Mandalorian in here. Yeah, and I mean, let, let's let's talk about the dumb thing of renaming his ship because... It's Slave you. One. I don't even know what the new name is supposed they to be. Gave it some techni- they gave it the technical term, and it's like, stop. You are worried about things that no one cares about, and it shows in the show and everything around this. Boba Fett is a bounty hunter, a selfish, self-serving bounty hunter who doesn't give a shit about other people. Of course, his ship is called Slave One. He's a bad guy. Oh, and okay. You want to save some of the rough edges off? Okay, cool. He is still a crime lord. You yeah, can tell. Again, interesting. I, I've now said it three times, but it's the same one more time. You got Tony Soprano. You got Walter White. You got characters like these. Those should be the inspirations for Boba Fett. Not, not like fucking... Uh, I could. I suddenly couldn't think of the old westerns that I used to watch when I was a kid that had all about the sheriff. But whatever. Yeah. Less movie John Wayne. Well, I don't want to say real world John Wayne because real world <laughs> John Wayne. Who? Huh. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Let's ah. talk about everyone's favorite Star Wars show, uh, Andor. Andor is the one thing on here that I know literally nothing about. I've seen sequences of the next things we're going to talk about. I've not even seen a scene from Andor. I don't know anything about Andor. Andor is great, but it, it it's go. Oh. This is all you, man. I got nothing. Okay, Andor is a grounded political, very political drama story about resistance, the Empire. It's great. It really is thought out. It's done well. The problem with andor is everyone loves andor so much and it is so good that it's become a bludgeoning stick against all of star wars yeah because andor kind of put people off because this is made for adults this is an adult-centered story it's slowly paced it's 
super political in its references and what it's going to. It literally has a character who is that leftist you know who quotes Marxist doctrine at you. <laughs> okay. Like, no joke. Literally that dude. You know what's funny? I need to figure out what it takes for not fun material to work for me. Because I was recently talking to a group of my friends who, uh, including a new friend that I just made, and I was showing him my, my top movies list of all time. Well, not, not top, just my movies list, because it's a project I'm working on, just every movie I can think of that I've seen and order them all. I'm up to like 250 or something like that. And he noticed that Dune was super low on my list, like near the bottom. And I had to explain to him that I just found it dull as fuck. And then I'm like, but I like like Nightcrawler, and that's in my top ten, and it's not a very fun movie either, so I don't Dune, know. Dune has its own problems we've talked about elsewhere. I, I'm just giving an example of, like, I don't know what it... I Normally, I want my movies to be fun, but I also yeah. do like plenty of movies that are not fun. I don't know what the important line here is. So, but anyways, whatever. And or what it does well is it takes that grittiness that we kind of saw in Rogue One about the Rebellion... And it stretches it out into a full series. Mm -hmm. And it's really fucking good. Andy Serkis is in this and he puts in a performance that really deserves more recognition. Cool. Like Andor is great. Again, go see Two Whatever's Way Up. I talked about it with them over there. But again, the problem with Andor is twofold. One, it is its own unique special thing in that it is political. It is targeted at adults. It is not about selling store uh, toys. It is antithetically Star Wars. And as such has created this fervent, why can't everything else be Andor? To the point that I kind of am slowly coming to hate Andor. Also, I know this is a dick thing to say because comparing the two is fucking stupid for a number of reasons. But everything you just said makes me think of Star Trek, which is funny to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, go but, on. No, it's, it's a, take that example. Imagine if every time you talked about Star Trek... Someone said, yeah, but why can't it be Star Wars? Yeah, why can't it have exactly. laser fights? Why can't it have this? Why can't it do the things that made this show special and great? Again, like, because that's not what this is. What yeah. makes well, it actually, special there, is it's different from all of that. The funny thing is, there is basically an exact uh, equivalent in the Star Trek community. Anyway, the two are not actually equivalent. Anyway, move on. Yes. Again, I love Andor. I like the politics. It's politics and my politics align very well. But people just got to stop sucking its dick like it's going to print gold. So after Andor came Obi-Wan. Which? I watched the first two episodes of Obi-Wan, found it to be very boring. Yeah. And I liked Ian McGregor, but generally speaking, I wasn't interested. And then I stopped, and when the cool scenes came up on YouTube, I watched them. Like Darth Vader having the most disrespectful fight with an Inquisitor ever, which was awesome. And of course, I watched the entire final confrontation between Vader and Obi-Wan, which is fucking amazing and basically just a short film in itself. And yeah. I heard I heard multiple other people say that basically the only reason to watch Obi-Wan is the final episode, that, that it could have just been that as a short film and it would be fine. Here's the thing that's kind of become a problem. Obi-Wan is characteristic of this could have been a movie. Yeah. This could have done the solo thing. On its own, watching it week to week, it's fine. It's serviceable. Stretched out too far, though. Yeah. Yes. I think if you try and binge it, you're going to hit the wall of there's a lot of wheel spinning. But nestled in there, there's some really good stuff. Yeah, we brought Hayden Christian, Hayden Christensen back, and he yeah. is great. He yeah. is very good at what he does. But there's yeah. – like, and it's got Ewan McGregor. But it kind of starts the idea that Obi-Wan is carrying all the guilt of everything that happened to him. The fall of the Jedi, Padme's death the loss of Anakin, like he's carrying all this guilt mm -hmm. and he kind of gets to exercise that and get through that through seeing Leia and kind of shaving the curmudgeonly off. Like that's, that's actually good. His interaction with Vader, really good. There's some good stuff in here. It's just like, this should have been a movie. This really works as a movie. It's fine and serviceable as is. It's nothing special. Yeah. It's got from, from my experience, the sequences I've watched on YouTube for it are great, but I I didn't want to sift through a bunch of what I was hearing about it to get to them. Yeah, again, it should either have been a movie or you could even cut this down to, you know, a four-episode arc, mini-sodes. Again, that's it's serviceable. 
Yeah. After Obi-Wan, we have the most recent show, which is Ahsoka, which, uh, like Obi-Wan, I didn't even watch the first episode of Ahsoka, honestly. I After after Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and Obi-Wan, I was just, I was just tired. And so I, I, I just waited to see, like, oh, if, if I hear good things about it, I'll check out things. I ended up YouTubing a sequence from, I don't know, episode four or five, where Ahsoka fights, like, Force Ghost version of Anakin, where Hayden Christian gets to come back and yeah. play it. And that it's sequence really was weird. awesome. That was really cool. I have no idea what the context is. I don't really care to find out, though. So, so or go ahead. Ahsoka is interesting because Ahsoka has the highest highs and probably the lowest lows outside of Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett's low is pretty fucking low. Let's yeah. Go on. Because the the okay low, I don't know what the hell is happening with Rosario Dawson playing Ahsoka. But there is no charisma. There is no energy. It is just dull. And because Rosario Dawson's skilled at what she does, usually. Yeah, and it's just like, what what are you doing with Ahsoka here? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't work. But Ray Winstone as this weird dark Jedi something fucking kills it in just this dude that's like, yeah, I I was a Jedi general. I fought. I saw what the Jedi were. And I have a mysterious past we're not going to get into this season. And it's like, oh, but you're so in like there's intrigue and the little bits you give us are really good. Like he kind of he he owns that the Jedi fucking sucked. Hmm. And it's great to have a main like in canon Star Wars character go. Yeah, the Jedi fell because they were lazy and they were prideful. They became everything they said they stood against. Pride, yeah, pride's a big one. And I'm like, ooh, you're interesting. We have some really great uh, lightsaber battles, like really unique styles, and coming at play feels very different. Thrawn well, again, that uh, that that Anakin v Ahsoka fight is oh, really cool. all the Ahsoka Anakin shit is really cool because it's kind of it basically it's a it's Ahsoka going through her journey of should I have seen what was happening to Anakin coming sooner? I was there with him. We get live action Clone Wars, which is awesome. And when I say cool. live action Clone Wars, I'm talking like they recreated costumes and characters from the animated series. Yeah. Which they've been doing uh, a couple times up till then. They did it in Book of Boba Fett with a character that I didn't realize was a recreation until I heard about it later. But still. And I, I heard that Grand Admiral Thrawn makes an appearance and I been meaning to like youtube a clip of that but i don't yeah they got the voice actor for thrawn to play thrawn and that's really cool that's very cool to hear that i'm glad to hear that and he's really interesting and then we get some fun stuff with night sisters and more bigger expanded star warsy universe we get some fun setups we get by the way if lightsaber stuff if you're listening to this and you just watched ahsoka and didn't watch rebels or read thrawn's books thrawn is almost universally considered to be the best expanded universe character before Disney had acquired, you know, probably still, but saying that before they, yeah, but I'm saying that before they completely undid everything, it's almost universally accepted that the Thrawn books were basically the best expanded universe. I haven't read them myself. I'm just going off secondhand what I've heard from other people. And that Thrawn was probably the best expanded universe character. I still like Kyle Katarn, but Thrawn is fucking awesome. But Ahsoka, again, it has the fun, big building to a bigger world, establishing things, really cool lightsaber fights. It's just kind of let down because Rosario Dawson's putting in a really bland, muted performance. And I don't necessarily, I don't know what's going on. Uh, the real tragedy is we've since lost Ray Winstone and we don't know what they're going to do with his character. But the best way I can describe his lightsaber style is he's built kind of like me. So he's fighting broadsword style with his lightsaber. These big, powerful, heavy blows. And I'm like, this is cool. This is what Star Wars has been missing. Lightsaber fights where the styles of the fighter comes through. Okay. So, yeah, that's that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm very mixed on Ahsoka. It was fun and there was parts I liked, but there's other parts like, okay, th- this is lacking. It could have used more chopper. Let's be honest. Everything could use more chopper. So this brings us to our conclusion. tentative conclusion. And again, there are many Star Wars is so huge and, you know, 50 fucking years old that there are so many things that we didn't cover that there are many things neither of us have experienced. 
but there's not time necessarily. But uh, as, as a franchise, I don't know. You you mentioned you had thoughts, so I don't know, even know if I have franchise thoughts. So you go ahead first. I I have the same feelings towards Star Wars that I do towards Marvel right now. Mm. That this is a relatively bulletproof uh, setting, and if you are creative and if you play around and you take big bold choices, they tend to pay off. And it's when you play it safe and you bunker down that you 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 miss. Like looking at this list for all the good, bad, whatever of the Last Jedi, people talk about it. Yeah, true. Rise it's of Skywalker's went back to formula, and no one talks about it. It's better to be controversial than boring. Yes. Again, Star Wars has done all sorts of weird, wild, fun shit. Do that. That is the secret sauce to Star Wars. It's a huge playground that you, you know, should be playing around in. You know what's funny, Auric? You making the direct comparison of Star Wars to mm-hmm. Marvel, I think is solidified. Or not solidified. It cleared something up for me. I think I've got multiple friends who will like to utter the sentence... I don't really watch superhero movies anymore, or I haven't watched superhero movies in a while. Now, I historically have found that sentence to be kind of goofy, to put it mildly, because I feel like superheroes are, as a genre, is actually quite varied. And I don't feel like that they can really be compared a lot of times to each other in the same way that it sounds like they're being. But I think I feel that way about Star Wars. So now suddenly I understand those people a lot better. We're like, I'm not going to sit here and say that, because I mentioned earlier that Star Wars is a a literal cornerstone of culture, not pop culture, just culture. And I don't think that that has stopped being true necessarily, but I do think that the the way culture has fractured because of the internet in the last 20 years has made that it less important, for lack of a better term. And so I don't feel like it matters that I don't keep up with it. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. It's a whole I didn't... other thing, this idea that you should ever have to keep up with any media. Yeah, but there was a time in my life where I used to espouse the idea of like, yeah, I got to see the new Star Wars movie. That, that is, whether I like it or not, I, I got to see the new Star Wars thing because it's fucking Star Wars. And I don't feel that way anymore. I mean, to be yeah, fair, I don't feel that way that about it. Because you're in your 30s now and you don't have the amount of free time you used to. Well, that's why I was about to say, I don't necessarily feel that way about anything anymore. But it used to be I only felt that way about Star Wars. Like that was that was the only movie franchise like that for yeah. me. And now I don't feel that way. So I, I don't know. It's I don't know what Star Wars would have to do to get me particularly reinvested, maybe cast Sebastian Stan as Luke in something. That'd be cool. Uh, I, I am glad, I'm glad that I've watched Ulrich have conversations in discord with some of our fans about, uh, you know, star Wars things. And I'm glad that Ulrich's taste for it has been active. I, I'm glad you're getting something positive out of it. I, I hope I can get there too. At some point, uh, it's not there. Yeah. I gotta come back and say, if they do interesting, weird, unique stories, example, we didn't really talk about, but we, we should before is uh, Star Wars Visions when they yeah. give the Star Wars license out to multiple animation studios. And they've actually like they did a whole Kurosawa black and white style Star Wars story that now that's been made into a series called The Acolyte. Like that's I, I did hear people like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. When you do something interesting and weird and unique, or you just kind of let it go and play, interesting stuff can happen. You can do different things. Again, you don't have to market Star Wars because everyone knows Star Wars. So if you do something interesting and unique, people can go, huh, that doesn't look like what I know, and might go see it. That is the secret sauce of Star Wars. That is why, for better or worse, we talk about the prequels where we're just looking at the sequels and going, this really feels a lot like by the numbers. And the one that did try something new is the one we all God. talk about. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, sure. So anyway, yeah, I got I got I got nothing else. My, my concluding statement is that regardless of any negative things that I've said in these three recordings, I have nothing but hope, a new hope, as it were, for for the franchise and I for even for myself. So if you're sitting out there and you love any of the things that we hated, I am only envious of you. So that's 
that's six years, folks. That that is our big celebration of six years. Holy shit! Here's I, to year seven. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna talk about Star Wars for a bit because that was all the Star Wars energy I had pent up until a new Star Wars things comes out. Now we'll probably talk about it. Yeah, now we might on, review on, it on actually. Going. Yeah, which will give me a reason to engage with it. I probably won't otherwise. Yeah. Ah. Uh... I don't know what to say that we haven't said already over these three episodes, like just in general. As far as what we've said over the last six years, thank you for listening. Thank you for any of you who have been with us any amount of that time, any step of the way. I know we've had some people a long time, and I love that we're still doing this. And I've said many times that for me, it's first and foremost an excuse to talk with my brother once a week who lives far away and who I otherwise probably wouldn't talk to. But the fact that we've gotten a great community, even if it's not, you know, it's it's our little, it's a good community and it's a good time. And I'm glad of the positives that have come out of doing this. Well, it's a good community, except for a few people. They know. They're people. all good. I I will not sign on to what Ulrich just said. <laughs> I will. You know who you are. Uh, I am curious if we have any year one listeners still with us. I don't know. I know we've got year one guests still with us, but they were around before, probably. Yeah. Like, I know Woonvog is probably one of our year one guests, and I know Chris is probably one of our year one listeners. Well, the fact that we... Anyway, other conversation. Yeah. But, all right, we're not doing Suggestions of the Week this time because we've already gone over talking about Star Wars. Catch us with a suggestion next week. I have got something for you all. Well, kind of. But anyway, I think Ulrich, you can take us into our outro now. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. Do all the things that various podcast people have to ask of you because if we don't we get buried by the algorithm and the places we get buried are most podcasting sites so you know you can probably search us on on most of them and find us but if you search us on one and don't find us tell us about it and if we can make it happen because sometimes we can't there are reasons but if we can we'll try as always this has been Lord commander Ulrich and his shield brother Axel Wright Be sure to see you next time, and as always, stay honorable.